Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be speaking today on the subject of marriage God's way. Marriage God's way. Now, I understand that I'm not speaking to everyone here today is not married, but uh, perhaps one day... Uh, you will, if that's a part of God's will. And uh, if you are married today, I believe that we're going to hear principles that will help you uh, in a, have a better marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. We can all grow in our relationship with one another. However, not everyone here is married, and it's not always God's will for everyone to be married. But uh, if you're not married, I would encourage you to take notes and, and write these uh, principles down for just in case uh, God does lead you to the person that you are to be married. And I believe that this is a responsibility of us to, to come to this part of the text and, and to discuss and to talk about God's word as it relates to this idea of marriage. I hope, students, that you'll take note of this as well as we participate and we, we talk about uh, the text here today, Marriage God's Way. I heard about a couple that went to one of these marriage conferences. This marriage conference was pretty strong on the emphasis of, of the woman's role in the marriage, which is submission. And, and so they were, this, this, this marriage conference was all about how wives submit to the husbands, wives submit to the husbands. The fella, he, he loved it. He liked it a lot. The wife, she didn't care for it at all. As a matter of fact, they were on their way home and she wasn't saying anything. He had a big smile on his face and, and she, he looked over at her and she just had steam coming out of her ears. He could tell something was wrong with her and he said, did you not like the seminar? And she just, she just remained icy cold. He said, well, I liked it a whole lot, especially the part about wives submitting to their husbands. She just gave him that glare. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That glare. They rode home in silence. They got out of the car. They went into the house. She slammed the door and and he had to open the door and walked in. And he said, all right, woman. Now you listen up. We just left this conference. I have a brand new motivation in life. I've had it. Did you not hear a thing? You didn't, did you not hear what that man was saying? I'm telling you from now on, this is the way it's going to be around this house. I am the captain of this ship. I am the boss of this corporation. You will submit to me. <laughs> I'm the one telling the joke, brother. After that, after that, he didn't see his wife for about two weeks. And after about two weeks, he began to see her barely out of one eye. <laughs> the wrong attitude. Guys, the wrong attitude can get you into a whole lot of trouble. Our assignments within marriage relationship are indeed different. God made us different. We're not the same. One writer said it this way, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Indeed, sometimes it appears that the, the differences, it, but you see, the differences is what makes us unique. The differences between men and women uh, are what complements this marriage relationship, and we need uh, both qualities in order to make this work. We are different. In fact, a group of men got together and they decided that the computer was a female, and here was their reasoning why they said a computer had to be a female. Number one, they said no one but the creator understands her logic. Number two, 
The native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. Number three, the message, it's okay to laugh because guys, we're coming back for us in just a minute. Number three, the message, bad command or file name is about as informative as if you don't know why I'm mad at you, then certainly I'm not going to tell you why. Number four, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrieval. Number five, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck for accessories for it. Well, after these men, they, they, they said the, that computer had to be a female. A group of females got together and said, no, 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 you guys have got it completely wrong. Computers are actually male, and here's why. Number one, they have a whole lot of data, but they're still clueless. <laughs> Number two, they're supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. Number three, they said as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you had waited a little bit longer, you could have obtained a better model. (laughs) It's true, men and women are different. But it's our differences that should bring us together. It's our differences that when we come together and we do it God's way, it makes us better. Many of you, marriage is what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? And if you approach the marriage relationship with this idea of what can I get out of this, you're going to completely miss the point of God's design for marriage. Marriage is not what can I get out of it, but what can I put into it? And the more and more and more, we're going to talk about this today, but the theme that we're going to hear is the more I put in, if I want a good marriage, it begins with me. It begins with you. If both parties in the marriage try to outlove, try to outgive, try to outdo the other party, then you're going to have a successful, not a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage, but you will have a successful marriage. Marriages must be seen as something uh, not to promote or gratify self, but it's a lifelong commitment of mutual love and service to the other individual. So when we talk about these difficulties, when, when they arise, Christian men and Christian women, so we, we, we look so much like the world. Our marriages look so much like the world that, that we, we, we go through marriages as often as we go through clothes. And what's needed today is a clear understanding of marriage God's way according to the scripture. So please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's see what God has to say to us about marriage. Ephesians 5.22 starts with this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that might be made holy without blemish. Verse 28 In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we thank you for this word. And Lord, as we speak on this topic of marriage, Father, may we understand marriage your way so that we can have great marriages in our church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. 
two things that we see today. We see here Paul giving a word to wives, and he gives a word to husbands. So let's begin with a word to the wives. A word to the wives. Ladies, there's two things this text tells you that you have to do. Number one, the word to the wife. The first word to the wife is submission. Submission. You have to submit to your husbands. Now, as we talk about submission, I know that it's not a politically correct idea, a politically correct notion to talk about submitting to your husbands. And and the reason why that is is because so often when we talk about submission, we take it out of the context of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches biblical submission uh, for the wife to the husband. In fact, right before this, up in verse uh, number 20 and 21, uh, we're told in verse 21 to submit to one another. You see, submission is not just for the wife to the husband, but submission is for all Christians, for all believers. We are to submit one to another. And we have this misconstrued idea of what submission is because there's been so much false teaching and and so many false interpretations of this verse. And so as we talk about what it means for submission, I want to begin with what submission is not. Number one, submission does not mean that you are less than your husband. Verse 21 does not teach that you are somehow inferior to your husband. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible teaches that both sexes are equal, both men and women. There's not, it's like the old preacher said that when, when Eve was taken out of Adam, she wasn't taken out of Adam's head for him to dominate her with his brain. And she was not taken out of Adam's feet for him to dominate him, her with, with his foot over top of her. But Eve was taken from the rib, from the side of Adam in order to be a compliment to Adam. So when we talk about biblical submission, we're not saying that somehow you're inferior to your husband or that some woman is, is somehow inferior to man. It's like the other old preacher said that women are the best at being women. Men are the best at being men. And as, as your role as a wife is to come under submission, but understand that submission Submission does not mean that you are less than your husband. In fact, the, the New Testament scripture supports this. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. So you see, Ephesians presents men and women on equal uh, playing fields. That there, there's a, there's, there's this, this equality. There's not a superiority. There's not inferiority. But there is differing roles. You see, even though God created man and woman and, and he views us uh, the same as same people, meaning a man, when a wife is submitted under her husband, that doesn't mean that she is less than her husband. Remember the book of Philippians says that Jesus submitted himself to whom? The will of the Father. Jesus is co-eternal and co-equal with God the Father, is he not? Jesus didn't become less than God when he took on the form of flesh and he became a servant. No, Jesus was just as much God the Father as he was. So, so when he submitted himself, what he did was he willingly came underneath the Father. That doesn't mean he was less than the Father, but he submitted himself. He submitted to the authority, he submitted to the will of the Father. And so when we talk about submission, understand this doesn't mean that you're less than your husband. Now, there are different roles. God has called men to do things he didn't call women to do. And he called women to do things that he didn't call men to do. Just what, as Jesus, as he submitted to the will of the Father, there were things that Jesus was called to do that, that God the Father wasn't called to do. And so when we talk about submission, understand that we're, we're not saying that, that, that you're less than, but there are differing roles. Number two, it does not mean you follow your husband in sin. 
Verse 22 is very clear on this. When we talk about submission, it means that if your husband is telling you to do something that would require you to sin, you don't follow that authority. Christ and Christ alone is actually your supreme authority. And the Holy Spirit enlightens your conscience to what is right and what is wrong. As we'll see in just a moment when we talk about the men, it's the, the, the wives, men, listen, our wives want to willingly submit to spiritual authority. They will happily submit and recognize the honor of the husband and, and they will understand the responsibility of, of the home. But it requires us to be functioning in what God has called us to do. When the husband is given to godly leadership, strong, moral, loving headship to his family, the wife will then be elevated, enriched by her submission. But there is this matter of ungodly headship. What then? Pastor, what do I do if my husband is is not a believer or my husband uh, is is telling me to do something that, that is sinful? What do I do? Well, the fact is, wives, you want to honor your husband's leadership if possible, but, but you don't sit there. Submission doesn't mean mute silence. Questioning his reasoning or, or even acquainting him with his error is not evidence of a rebellious spirit, but actually it's out of love. Refusing to support moral folly is not sin. A Christian wife, listen to me, a Christian wife can stand with Christ against her husband, but you must do it in the right spirit. If you are coming under a husband, if your husband is causing you and leading you and saying you need to do this, it would result in you sinning. You can say no, but you must do it in the right spirit. The attitude is key. Concerning those who are married to a difficult man, my heart goes out to you. Every day, I'm sure, and I know, is full of tensions and and decisions, and and I don't want to misrepresent Christ, and I I don't want to misrepresent my husband, but, but I have to stand on principle. Which leads us into the third thing that submission is not. Submission does not mean that your husband's will is higher than God's will. Submission does not mean that your husband's will is higher than God's will. The picture of of wives submitting to their husbands, again, uh, look back at the text. Wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. So your first priority, your first level of submission is with Jesus Christ, as it is with all believers. So I, I submit to the will of God. My husband's will does not trump God's will. The pictures of wives submitting to their husbands is compared to the church submitting to the will of Christ. The text here clearly teaches that the wife is to first and foremost be a follower of Jesus Christ before she is to be a follower of her husband. If the husband is going down the path of unbelief, she does not follow him in that because she has been called, she is to, she has been called first and foremost a disciple of Jesus Christ. Submission to Jesus trumps any other area. To your husband, to your government, to employers, even to parents. Submission to the will of God and submission to what God says trumps it all. I received a letter, uh, an email a few weeks ago, and, and I don't get a lot of these emails of, of people upset with something that I said, but, but every once in a while, once in a blue moon, once every four or five months, I'll, I'll get something where, where I've, I've said something that I've offended someone. And normally I don't share this with the church because frankly, a lot of these emails or letters, they don't build up. They are meant to break down and to hurt, not to build up and encourage. And so oftentimes I'll respond uh, to the person, but, but normally I don't share it with the church because there, there's really no point in it. But I'm sharing this one because I believe it's become something that has infiltrated the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe it's straight from the pit of hell. 
I said something a few weeks ago. Uh, it was around the 4th of July weekend, and I was talking about the Supreme Court's decision on homosexual marriage. And I said I stood in direct dissidence to that decision. Meaning, and I went on to parse that as I was on my soapbox, I went back and, and watched myself on, on uh, the, the sermon. And tell, let me tell you, that's a humbling thing is to go back and watch yourself uh, preach. Uh, I, I put myself to sleep, so I, I feel for you as well. But I went back and I listened and I actually made it, I, I took a very hard line. I said, I will not, I will not agree with the Supreme Court. They can tell me what to do all they want to, but if it goes against God's word, I'm not going to do it, period. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And so, and so this person who was not a member, she identified, she said, I'm not a member. I don't know if she saw it online or, or, or she was in the, I, I don't know, but uh, I, I did respond back to her. But her point was, no, you're supposed to submit to the authority of the government always and ever. That, that's no place for the church. You're supposed to submit to the government. My response to that was when the government becomes a tyrannical government and it tells me to do something apart from God's word, I will never stand with the government. I will always stand. My first authority is with Jesus Christ. My first authority is with God's word. And, and so it's, it's that way with the government. And ladies, it's also that way in your home. If, if your husband is leading you to do something that goes against God's word, your first priority is to submit to the will of God. You are a Christian first before you are a wife, before you are a mother. Your most important relationship is with Jesus Christ. And so we understand that submission does not mean that you follow him into sin. So what is submission? Well, submission does mean that you submit to the leadership, guidance, and authority of your husband as he is living under the leadership, guidance, and authority of Jesus. This isn't blindly following. This is not checking your brain at the door. This, isn't being, this is not doing as you're told. This doesn't mean that you don't have a voice, especially in the key decisions of life. Men, you need to bring your wives a part of those key decisions. You're going to buy a home. You're going to buy a, 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 a car. You're, any big decision, you need to bring your wife along. Biblical submission is actually a willful place where you yield to your husband who's walking in God's will. In Ephesians 5.21, we're told that, that we're to submit to one another, which means that we are to prefer one another more than ourselves. I've said this many times from this pulpit, that, that submission is not just for Christian wives, but it's for Christians, period. We're all to submit. This is the attitude that is to pervade and to permeate our minds and our homes. We express the submission differently within the role and responsibility of marriage relationship. Wives are to submit to the husbands. Husbands are not to submit to the wives. And in God's economy, in God's economy, whether you like it or not, the husband is the head of the home. And husbands are, and wives are to give themselves to one another, to prefer uh, one another and, and submit. Uh, she is to submit and commit her life to him as he submits himself to Christ. The Bible does say the husband is the head of the home. Adrian Rogers, the great preacher of Bellevue Baptist Church, Dr. Adrian Rogers once said, he said, you know, anything without a head is dead and anything with two heads is a freak. <laughs> and that's so true in the marriage relationship. Anything with no head is dead. If, if there's no one leading your family, then you're not going anywhere. If there's no head, you're dead. But if you've got two people trying to vie for headship and leadership, that's a freaky thing. That's not a good thing. So only one in God's economy, God has called the man to be the head of the house and for the wife to come under that responsibility and submit to the leadership of her husband as he submits to the leadership of Jesus Christ. 
So ladies, that's the first responsibility of you is to submit to the will of, to submit to the authority of your husband. Number two is to respect your husband. He goes on, he gives a very lengthy verse. Trust me, ladies, I'll come back and I'm going to hit the guys and we're going to hit ourselves hard because we need to hear this. But he comes back in the last part of verse 33. He gives another thing that wives are to do. Look at it. The last part of verse 33. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. I was reading an article the other day that said, what a woman wants in a husband. And here's what it said. The ideal man for a woman loves to talk and open up about his feelings. The ideal man remembers all the little details about life. The ideal man would rather talk about his day and his struggles and his pain than watch television. The reality is, ladies, there is no such thing as the ideal man. He does not exist. Don't take it personally. We don't like to share our feelings with everyone or anyone. We don't share. What do we do? We conquer. We break things. We leave the toilet seat up. That's what we do. Good news, ladies, is that to a degree, we are trainable. You can train us. Sometimes we'll revert back to our old ways from time to time, but, you know, we laugh at this, but this really is no laughing matter because we men, we, the one thing that we want in our home is respect. We want to be respected in our home. Now, that may sound sexist, but it's not. It's reality. Ladies, I, I, I'm going to get on to the men in just a moment about because every relationship requires two, but ladies, I'm speaking directly to you for right now and telling you that in God's economy, he calls for you to submit to your husband, but he also calls you to respect your husband. You're called to respect him. Now, I gave you three different things that submission was not because the scripture, the text tells us submission is not this, it's not this, it's not this, but it is this. There's some caveats to submission. There are no caveats to respecting your husband. Did you hear that? There are no caveats to respecting your husband. If your husband's not a believer, if you married an unbeliever, or you came to faith in Christ after you were married, you don't always have to submit if he's leading you to sin. Or remember the caveats we just talked about. But there is no caveat to respect. It's very clear here in the text, is it not? She respects her husband. She respects her husband. You're called to respect him. And men, listen, we can make our wives' jobs a whole lot easier when we do what we're called to do. We'll see that in just a moment. But ladies, if you want your husbands to open up, you want him to share his feelings, you, you want him to do that, the way you get him to open up and to talk about his feelings in his heart is you respect him. You respect him. You may not be aware of this, but statistics show that almost every single man, the the statistics are in the high 80%, almost every single man feels insecure or insecure about his life in some form or fashion. Something's happened at some point in the man's life that's caused an insecurity, and and oftentimes it's all traced back to respect. We were were disrespected at some point in our life, and, and when we're disrespected in home, it causes us to clam up. So this insecurity is in some area of life, and the best way to get your husband to clam up is to constantly criticize him. Women often insult their husbands in a way to motivate them. They, you know, why are you so lazy? Can't you do anything around here? Listen, what you're doing when you're saying that, I I know you're trying to motivate uh, your husband to do something, but that's not how you motivate him. That's how you make him clam up and shut down. You respect your husband, and as you respect him, 
Now, I'm, I'm not saying, and men, listen to me, don't you go home and say, hey, preacher told me all I have to do is sit around the house. I'm not telling you to be a slob around the house. Remember, guys, we are trainable. We are trainable. I'm not telling you that you, you just go and, 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 and do whatever you want to do, but every man does re- need respect. Every man does need respect. And you respect him at home. You respect him for the man that he is. You respect him for the work that he does. You respect him uh, for how he leads and how uh, in, in those areas. You find areas that you can respect him in, and you respect him in those areas, and, and you say that. Now, men, like I said, we can make our wives' jobs a whole lot easier when we are performing our role the way we're to do it. So that was a word to the wives. Now let's spend the next three hours talking about what men our roles are in this marriage relationship. Now, wives, you're called to, to submit and to respect. Men, we're called to only do one thing, but this one thing is a big, massive thing. In fact, it's broken up into three parts. We're called to love. We're called to love. And there's three different types of love that he mentions here. First of all, he talks about sacrificial love. The opening line here is very clear in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a big, massive statement. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We are to love our wives in this sacrificial kind of love the way Christ loved the church. The radicalness of this command is clear when we see that the ancient world, the way the ancient world understood the time of, of Paul when he was writing to the church of Ephesus, when they were viewing marriage, they viewed marriage much the same way that, we, that the world views marriage today. They, they didn't agree with it. They, they, they sidelined it. In fact, Socrates said, is there anyone to whom you entrust more seriously Serious matters than to your wife, but is there anyone that you talk to less than your wife? And this is the, a, 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 an idea that permeated the culture of the day. The ancient pagan man breathed adultery. Uh, the marriage bond was virtually meaningless. Does it sound familiar to today? Paul's call to marital love was very radical as it is today. Taken seriously, the sheer force of these words, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, this is staggering. There is no honest Christian man who who can look at this or read these words and not feel the punch in his gut, not have the, the wind blown out of his cells because we understand how awesome this love has got to be that we have to push toward and show toward our wives. How do we do it? First and foremost, the example of Sacrificial love requires death to self. That's the basic definition for sacrifice, right? You may want to write that down, men. For me to sacrifice, sacrificially love my wife, I have to die to myself. Some men, for some men, golf is synonymous with paradise, whereas the entrance to a department store is like walking through the gates of hell. (laughs) But sacrificial love is, as Paul says here, the two becoming one flesh. One thing that I, I share to young, young men who are getting married, they say, what, what do I need to know as I'm about to enter into this relationship? What, am, what do I need to know? My response is very simple. Your best friend now has got to be your wife. You've got to stop hanging out with your buddies. You can't keep doing what you used to do. You've got to stop doing that. And your number one responsibility is your wife. You have to die to yourself. I don't care if you, if you like to do those things and, and you can still do those things, but your number one priority now is the relationship with your wife, period. 
And so sacrificial love means that you die to self, you die to needs, and, and, and you have to die to those things in order to, 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 to make others and to make her happy. It means doing what she wants to do. It means stop always thinking about what makes you happy and start thinking about what makes her happy. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. You already told the ladies that, that I don't think this way, that we men, we, we, we don't cognitively think and, and sit around and, and talk, about, talk about our feelings. But guys, listen, just because we, we, we don't doesn't mean that we can't. Just because we don't doesn't mean we can't. Ladies, please don't take this that preacher said, I can sit down and talk to you about my feelings for two hours. Turn the TV off and we're going to have, we're going to have Oprah right here in our living room. We can last maybe 15, 20 minutes, right guys? About 15, 20 minutes. But guys, listen, paradise is not always the golf course and the department store is not always the gates of hell. Think about what she wants. Sacrificial love means dying to self. Sacrificial love means trying to identify what is it that my wife wants and my wife needs and you try to meet those wants and you try to meet those needs. Our wives are different than us men. They think differently. If you try to understand them, it it will blow your mind. Okay, so stop trying to understand them and listen to them. Listen to him. She's telling you what she wants. She wants you to listen. She wants you to be present. She doesn't want your eyes. Presence does not mean sitting on a sofa and being in the same vicinity. For us guys, when we have guys over, hey, we're, we're just, hey, throw me a buffalo wing. Throw, you know, turn the channel, do this. And, and, and just being in the presence with other guys, that's hanging out, right? We hang out with other guys. But listen, that's not how women think of hanging out. Have you ever watched, have you ever been at a restaurant with, with more than one woman? When one woman has to go to the bathroom, she doesn't go by herself. It's the strangest phenomenon. She will take that other person. Guys, could you imagine if you have to go to the restroom? Hey, Frank, you want to go to the bathroom with me? We don't think that way. And ladies, I don't know what you do in there, but listen, we're different. We're different. I don't know where that came from. But we are different. And guys, the point is that you need to understand your wife. You need to meet her on her level. And, and I'm not saying that you become like a woman. You don't, you don't, we're not geared that way. We don't think that way. But, but just because you don't doesn't mean that you can't because you can. You can stop and you can listen and you can talk about your feelings. You can do that. Uh, and, and, and that's part of what sacrificial love is all about. He loved us sacrificially. Christ loved us sacrificially. I want us to be honest for just a moment because some wives here today are wondering what happened to the husband that courted her. Husbands are given the charge, the challenge, the counsel from God's word to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you can substitute maybe that word cherish in there. Do you cherish your wife? Do you treasure your wife? Not as a possession, but as a person. Did you hear that? Do you cherish your wife? Do you love your wife? Not as a possession, but as a person. Too many men treat their wives like a new car, and when the, time, when the car gets old, they trade it out and get a new one. 
Your wife is not a piece of furniture. She's not a possession. She's a person. She's a treasure from God. And guys, I think that a part of our problem is that this is how, and, and I don't like going this way, but it, it's, it's how we're raised. It, it's who we are. It's how our minds work. Think about this. When we're growing up, when we're growing up, our moms and our dads, they give us little lists to us little guys, and they say, all right, go and do this. We go and do it. We check it off the list, and we get a reward. You get an allowance. You, you get something. We understand this in sports, that we go out and we compete in sports. And, and we compete to what, guys? We compete to win. We don't, we don't, you know, none of this stuff that's going on today where every kid wins. That's bogus, right? We, you understand your kids are keeping score whether you are or not. And not everybody is a winner. And so we, 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 we compete. And what we have been taught and conditioned is that when we compete, we compete to win. And when we win, we get a trophy. And these men, we we look at this trophy and we're proud of this trophy. Look at my trophy. Look how shiny my trophy is. And we we hold this trophy. We take pictures with this trophy. We take selfies with this trophy. And we're, we're all excited about our trophy for like three days. And then we put the trophy in the trophy case and we start with something else. And we go and try to win another trophy. We start noticing this certain young lady. And boy, did we get our game on. We began to court her. We began to date her. We, 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 we began hard to, to woo her, to win the trust in the hand of this lady in marriage. And we worked hard. We worked hard at it. And this lady is beginning to think, is this guy really for real? Can I really give my life to this man? I mean, is this guy for real? And you keep coming on strong, don't you, man? And, and you write those little notes and you have those long conversations. Somehow you can pull out having a two-hour conversation on the couch with her and looking in her eyes. Told you you can do it. And you do those kind of things and you cause this lady to say, I love that man. This man treasures me. This man cherishes me. This man understands me. You go to the altar and you get married and the husband says, job done. Got the trophy. Look at my trophy. Look how shiny my trophy is. And we're concerned with this trophy for a few days and then we put the trophy in the trophy case and we completely neglect our wife and we go and try to win another trophy. Oftentimes that trophy is a job or a career and we try our best to to, to win another trophy, another assignment. Men, marriage is not something that's a project that's finished at the altar. Life begins at the altar of marriage and it's a lifelong joy and journey to treasure and love your wife as Christ loved the church. Sacrificial love means dying to self. It means to put her needs before your needs. It means to love her. It means to cherish her. It means to make her feel and to be a princess. She is your princess. She is to be the most important human being on the face of this earth to you. You are to love her that way. You are to make her feel that way. You, you, you don't need to leave any doubt in her mind that if she's ever asked who loves you the most apart from God and Christ, she would say, my husband, because you show that, you exemplify that, you demonstrate that. And it's, it's so much more than just saying it. It's so much more than just being in the same room. It's so much more than, than just sitting beside her. It's so much more than, than just taking her out and, and going to a restaurant. It requires communication. It requires connecting with each other on a very intimate level level. 
Sacrificial love is to die to self. Number two, sacrificial love prays for its bride as Christ prayed for the church. If you're not praying for your wives in detail, you're not loving them as Christ loved the church. What's Jesus doing right now? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is living to make intercession for us. Jesus is praying for his church. Jesus is praying for his bride. And if we're going to love our wives the way Jesus loves the church, then we are going to be constantly and continually praying for your wife. And listen, guys, don't assume that you know how to pray for... You know one of the greatest things that you can say to your wife, and it's going to make your wife say, hmm, wonder what got into him. Ask her every day, how can I pray for you? And then you stop and you pray for her. Husbands, you are the priest of the home. It is your responsibility to lead your wife spiritually. It's not my job. That's your job. As the husband in the house, it is your job to lead your wife. And so spiritually pray for your wife. Lastly, a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her will ever be faithful to her. That's something our culture needs to hear today. One thing the church can count on is the fidelity, the fidelity of Jesus in the church. Jesus isn't going to come one day and say, oh, you know what? I don't love that church anymore. I fell out of love with the church. I'm going to move on to a new trophy. I'm going to cash that one in and get me something else. I've changed my mind. I'm going to do something else. Do you really think Jesus is going to do that? No way. I've said it time and time again, love is not something you fall into. You're not just walking down the street and you all, all of a sudden you fall into a hole and oh, I fell into love. If you fall into love, you can fall out of love. Love is not an emotion, love is a commitment. I hear it all the time, I fell out of love, I fell out of love. My, my dad told my mom when I was a freshman in high school, I don't love her anymore, I fell out of love with her. That's bogus. That's bogus, you can't fall out of love just like you can't fall into love. That's lust, love is a commitment. Love is a choice. God God chooses to love us. God chose to love us. God is committed in his love to us. And in our relationship, we are to be committed to the other person and love them. To love them sacrificially. Number two, sanctifying love. Not just sacrificial love, but sanctifying love. Look at verse 26 and 27. Again, another bold statement from Paul that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything. This is not saying that somehow you can save your wife. But do you understand the significance of sanctifying love, what sanctifying love means? Here's the question you have to answer. Is, Is my wife more like Jesus because she's married to me? Or is my wife more like Jesus despite I'm around? That's a pretty tough question. Is my wife more like Jesus because I'm in her life? Or is she more like Jesus in spite of the fact that I'm in her life? Men, again, our responsibility to to, to sanctify, sanctifying love means that we lead as a priest in the home, that we lead our wives in daily Bible study, that we lead in the spiritual decisions of, of, of the home. And we, we bring her alongside, we pray for her, and we do these things. Number three is self-love, verse 28 through 30. This is not talking about narcissism here, but the golden rule of marriage is this. You shall love your wife as yourself. You shall love your wife as yourself. And when you love her as yourself, you'll be loving yourself because the two become one flesh. That's Paul's point. When you love your wife 
as yourself, then you will love yourself because the two are becoming one flesh. How sensitive are you to your wife's feelings? You know how you feel physically, and of course you you can never understand fully the emotions of, of your wife, but the call to love her as you love yourself demands that you work at it. It means that you're sensitive to her moods. It means that you're sensitive to her needs. You're sensitive to her nonverbal communication. When Sarah and I were married, we became one. When you and your wife were married, you are now one in Christ. That love is to last. And she is to understand and to feel this love that should be permeating from you. You know, it's not love at first sight that counts, but it's... When somebody that you're looking at 30, 40, 50 years and you still love them, that's love. Shirley and Randall Cubbage, they're in our first service. They've been members here for a few years. Uh, today they were celebrating 61 years of marriage. And, and that's, that to me, that to me is the kind of love that he's talking about here. Romans 8.39 says, What shall separate them from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? You see, the love that we are to give to one another is eternal love. It's a consistent love. It's a forever love. Now, I know that I'm talking to some people here today, like I said, who are not married. I'm talking to some people here who have been widowed or you're you're a widow or widower. I also know I'm speaking to some people who have been divorced, like my parents were divorced. And and talking about marriage and talking about love, I, I understand it can be a hard thing to grasp. I understand it can be a hard thing to listen to and hold into. And you say, preach, you don't understand my circumstance. And I understand all circumstances are different. But I do know this, that no matter where you find yourself on this relationship plateau in life, when it comes to what it means to be a husband and what it means to be a wife, you need to stop listening to what the world says and start listening to what God's word says. And we begin to listen to what God's word says, then we'll begin to put pieces together. The reason why our country is in the shambles that it's in is because of the breakdown of the home. The family is broken down. The marriage relationship is broken down. And listen, I understand. I talked about this a few weeks ago about divorce. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. And, and if you've been divorced, it's not that, that God is turning his back on you. God loves you. God loves you. And I understand even more that, that oftentimes divorce is not the answer that you wanted, but it's just something that happened. I, I get that as well. And you, cannot, you can't make somebody love you. You can't make somebody to, to follow God's word. You can't make somebody to stay married. If they leave, they leave. But understand, but understand, as we understand love, as we understand marriage, you say, there's nobody that loves me. I've not been married. I've been divorced. I'm widowed. What, who, who's going to love me? Whether you're in a marriage, whether you've been divorced, whether you're a student and never been married, don't get married till you're 50 years old, by the way. Whether you've been widowed or widow, you're a widower. All of us seek love. We're all seeking importance. We're all seeking relationship. We're all created to have relationship with someone else. And you say, I, I don't have that someone else. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a dead-end marriage, Pastor. My husband doesn't love me, and, 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 and it's hard for me to submit. It's hard for me to respect. Or maybe you say, my wife, she, she doesn't submit. I, I, I lead her spiritually, but she's off doing her own thing. Listen, the key for all of us, for all of us, is 
we need to work on that relationship with God. And as we work on that relationship with God, we understand that as you're searching for someone to love you unconditionally, you're never, ever, 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 ever going to find it in a human being, but you will always find it with God. And as you're seeking, as you're walking through life, and and if you're looking for hope in another human being, you're always going to be let down because human beings are just that, human beings. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's not, so get that out of your mind. There's no such thing as a perfect man. There's no such thing as a perfect woman. There's only one perfect man. His name was Jesus Christ. And you need to work on and develop that relationship with him.